Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Guys, we have recommended reading tonight for every single Star Wars fan out there. Will it come in an audiobook format? I don't read. No, <laughs> it's not in an audiobook format. <laughs> will it will it be in comic book format? Because no. I can read those. Oh, yeah, there you go. No, nope, yeah, comic, comic, comic book format. Damn nope. it. Will, will you just draw the pictures then and make little word <laughs> bubbles? Yeah, all right, fine. I will. It's the it's the Kama Sutra featuring George Lucas and Jabba the Hutt. Ooh, <laughs> I'm in. And we are going to tell you all about it because you have found the wretched nub, nub indeed. for Friday, June 25th, 2021, episode 202 of the show. My name is Steve Baldwin, and hardly anybody is here tonight. We got a bunch of people out. Yeah, it feels a little empty. But the most important people are here tonight. Let's face it. Those other two, whatever. That's right. That's what we've been saying for five and a half years, right, Greg? That's right. <laughs> we got we got one guy at work contributing to the GNP, right? Mm-hmm. We've got another guy on the DL, mm-hmm. on the disabled list. Oh, can we talk about mm-hmm. that? He's on the DL. He's on the DL. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, is that, uh, and when we see D- DL, we mean down low, not disabled yeah. list. We mean he's on the down low. That's right. What there else could DL mean? Could it could it could be disabled list? It could mean down low. It could be diaper leg. <laughs> I was going to say something with Dave, but maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> the thing I want to say is really, really um, rude. <laughs> but even for this show, what has ever stopped us in five and okay, a half? I'll years? say it, but I'll bleep it out. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay, that's a okay. Remember, remind, bleep that out. Nine. nine. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Joining me tonight, as always, the Wookiee co pilot. Thank you for pointing at him, Greg Lent. Stephen A. Fox. So good to be here, even though it is just the three of us, it's a trio tonight. We are the green day of Star Wars podcast this evening is what we are. A three-piece. Wait, wait, wait. A tight, a, a tight three-piece. We are the rush. It's a, it's a wretched hive threesome? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Let's just, no, it's not drop the hive. It's just a wretched threesome. <laughs> this is going to be a hot night. I love how you're it's working hot. through the list, the Ooh. list of a, the <laughs> A-list actors uh, for my name. <laughs> well, I was <laughs> Anthony last week, so I, it's <laughs> yeah, not really right. an actor, but before but that. What's, what? It was, it was Stephen H. Macy and then oh, yeah. Stephen B. Anthony. Right. And now Stephen A. Fox. Um, uh, and so, what, you know, obviously there's a theme going on there. It always had to be something with B before, but I, I, I don't, because we were talking about William H. Macy and Stephen H. Macy just sounded so good. And what I appreciate now is you're changing your Discord name to ah. whatever, we, whatever I've used in the, uh, the last intro. So it makes Great me happy. I've got to be Stephen A. Fox for the next like week or so. I'm Greg. I'm hooking you up for next week. So that's all I'm saying. I got uh, a great. Oh, okay. Got a great I can't look. wait to see this. Very good. Also on the show tonight, <laughs> he is a lifelong 
Star Wars fan! Ivansky! Yeah, I am here. I am here, one of the three. I feel good tonight, guys. Mm. We got some Loki. We got some Star Wars. I am pumped for tonight. Yeah, we got, we got, uh, well, to be honest with you, I always say we have lots to talk about. Not so much tonight. No, no. <laughs> it's going to be a quick one. That's fine. This show is, is hard. It's fast. It's coming in your face. And then it's just, and then it's just down the drain. Wait, what's it doing? It's, <laughs> it's what you want from a wretched hive threesome. That's what you want. So yes. a quick story, quick story. We usually record on Wednesdays. True. Right. That is true. Uh, tonight Accurate. is Thursday, the 24th of June in God's year, 2021. It's God's year. Anybody, yeah. the year of our Lord. Year of our Lord. Thank it's you. It's the year I'm of not our sure why I said that. Year of, year of our uh, Loki. There you the year of our yeah. Loki. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, that's that's actually really that strong. on a t-shirt. Um, you messaged me last night at 840 and said, Hey, we on? Yeah, yeah. We on like Donkey Kong. Is what your that's, that is was. exactly <laughs> what I said. great appropriate for tonight. Something male reference. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. And then I have to admit, I, I haven't shared this with either one of you guys. It's been how many how long we've been doing this? Five and a half years coming up. You're right. Mm-hmm. Five and a half years. I don't think I have ever actually forgotten once that we're going to do the show yeah. until last night. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. It's and, and, and literally, I forgot because I've been working a lot. I shared with you guys. Don't get into the details, but it, work has been crazy. I'm on vacation next week. I've been working a lot to get ready for that. And I messaged you guys. and I'm like, I. We can go. I'm good. I got no Star Wars stories. I didn't watch Loki yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we can record. We can totally and, do it. And so uh, I feel bad because we we delayed a day. And for that reason, uh, Nico is unable to join. I think Dave being on the DL is, is on the DL. But I feel bad that we're missing out on uh, the captain of the Millennial Falcon. Millennial Falcon. We'll get him back and we'll get him back proper like all right we'll have a, a moment for we'll do them right yeah, yeah all right we we I haven't so. had a, we haven't had a nico zone in a while maybe we own a nico <laughs> zone. maybe own some time on the mic just by himself we gotta send him some some liquor to get good and ready for it though yeah. you know that's we the, yeah is, that's true is that going to involve an intervention for the rest of it us might. <laughs> you know we still owe him since he's since he doesn't listen to the show and he's not on tonight yeah we should discuss this we still each owe him a case of beer. Oh, damn. Because he did say clone. Yeah. Because he said clone and he was right about uh, Ray. The, the, oh, uh, what? Well, yeah. Ray's parentage. Right, right, right. Somewhat. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. He was the, he was the closest out of all of us. He was the closest. Yeah. So he'll never, he'll never know that we're admitting it. Look, I'll be a good sport because he doesn't listen to the show. I'll be a good sport, <laughs> but you guys also yeah. basically made me buy The Last Jedi. So, <laughs> okay, well, hold on. So I, I'm going to play the segment under protest if you're going to pull that bullshit. No, no, no. We, <laughs> we did that Scott bought in The Last Jedi for a year and you resisted for a year. You I did. didn't have to give in. I did. I did. In fact, I even taunted you guys throughout the year going to Targets right. and took selfies in front of That's right, you did. walls of Last Jedi Man. Blu-ray. So that was fun. All right. <laughs> 
What we got out of that, Scott, was nothing. What you got out of that, a damn fine Star Wars movie. That's what you got out of it. Right. <laughs> it got this much dust on it on my show. Right. <laughs> and the longest bumper that I produced for any one single person on the show. I'm honored. Actually. I'm bumper, honored. By the way. Yeah. Uh, and if I've ever produced a bumper for you, give us a call on the Wretched Hive hotline and tell us all about it. There's a very select few people that can actually call the Wretched Hive hotline with that one. That's right. Um, that's at 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. That's H-I-V-E. Uh, in case you can't spell HIVE. You're goddamn right. And you can also Thank find you, us Scott. online at facebook.com. That's facebook.com forward slash HIVE. I don't, I don't, I don't have that clip in my sandboard there. Uh, well, you can fake it. You can just, just, just you be on Facebook. Thank you. <laughs> you can't just do that. Or I just did. And you, you can find us on facebook.com forward slash wretched hive podcast. And on Twitter at wretch hive pod, you can leave us a voicemail, as I mentioned, and you can email us to show at wretched hive podcast.net. You can also, find all of our shows all the way back to episode one at wretchedhivepodcast.net. This has to be the hackiest hack show episode. I mean, I should say episode, not show that we've ever done. We are flying by the seat (laughs) of our proverbial pants. We have, we have call outs coming from the wrong voices. I mean, this, this is great. I'm loving this. All right. You know who I blame? Bob Iger. (laughs) for us not to do this uh correctly uh we've got some news guys here we go (laughs) oh shit god damn it (laughs) we've got from abc news world headquarters this is abc world news tonight no it's not it's star wars news with the wretched hive so be it i wasn't sure you had the clip Some things are, are there, some things. Uh, guys, I mentioned we have recommended reading for every Star Wars fan, and there's an article in this month's issue of The Atlantic. And this article, it's in the, actually, it's in the July-August issue of The Atlantic. The title of the article is, now it sounds really negative, Sounds really negative. So if you're a diehard, like, oh, I love Star Wars no matter what fan, you're still going to like this article. Yeah. All right. But the, the article is titled How Disney Mismanaged the Star Wars Universe. Now, actually, if you're a diehard, yeah, die yeah. in the wool Star Wars fan, why are you listening to this show? <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying we, to we call shit out? I mean, you know, we do. Come yeah. on, that's the honesty of this show. I mean, and honestly, this, this, this article is right up my alley. It's so great. It's a very well done article, how Disney mismanaged the Star Wars universe and how the Mandalorian can restore the true power of George Lucas's galaxy. Again, July, August issue of the Atlantic. One of the things I love about this article is that it reminded me how it was to be a child uh, seeing Star Wars in those early years. Because one of the things that the that the author mentioned, let me. I'm gonna just move can, my laptop. Can I just here. say that yeah, this article ahead, sounds like they uh, listened to the show, <laughs> yeah, took a lot of our conversation and created this article from it. That's what I'm thinking. It's possible. It's it's very possible yeah, they did. I think so. Because the author of this article, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call this out because 
This person is Scott Avansky. Um, <laughs> I was going to say Wretched High <laughs> fan number one or something like Spencer, that. Spencer Cornhaber. Spencer Corn, K O R N A B E R. It is uh, it's one of us. That's one of our aliases. Not Cornholer. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Stop it. Us is an alias. <laughs> Spencer Cornhaber uh, in the July, August 2021 issue of Atlantic. Now, one of the things he says in the beginning, and I didn't really, I haven't really thought about this until I read this article and realized it was true. He says that when he saw Star Wars, he just thought Earth was another planet in George Lucas's Star Wars galaxy. And I remember thinking when I was nine, like Tatooine is real. Like I, I, I didn't get lost. I got, I mean, I completely got lost in the fantasy of it. And I, you know, when you're nine or 10 years old, or when I, I'll speak for myself, I, I had some trouble discerning between what was real and with the planets and what wasn't real. I mean, I knew you couldn't travel between planets, but I just kind of thought like maybe earth was just part of a bigger galaxy. And that story was somewhere else and it was real somehow. Hmm. It just felt so real to me. Yeah. And that really spoke to me, but what I want to get to in this article is, um, is that, you know, he talks a lot about how many fans were taken by the story and the story of Star Wars, but that the story of Star Wars is actually the weakest part, he argues, of okay. the original trilogy. And the strength lies in the gaps in the story that our collective imaginations completed. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll roll with that. All right, so for example, Obi-Wan telling the story of the dark times, the empire. And you're immediately like, what is that? What the clone wars? Like, what is that? You're yes. left wondering. It's like a dangling parsiple or something. You're like, what is that? What does that mean? I, I say that's fair, but coming from my point of view as a kid back then, the coolest thing that I felt was, and, and this was a different time. This is 1977. So when those gaps that you're talking about or this author is talking about happened, I, I see what the author is trying to say. And I slightly agree with them. Mm -hmm. But the nice thing, what we started to learn being fans of this film, of the series of Lucas's vision is there was more there. It wasn't just limited to that. We had a backstory or at least a back outline and previous drafts. So we had the concept different characters, different naming schemes, which have been used and reused and rehashed throughout all of the prequels and the sequels mm -hmm. and the expanded universe and, and so on. So yes, I see his point, but those, those missing elements, those fill in the gaps were actually gaps that existed. Mm -hmm. And we started to get tidbits of that information, which built into this massive universe that we saw. And by the way, Steve, you saying that it felt real, I was five when it came out and yeah. watching it for the first time like Tatooine like you see other movies and you could tell they were fake there was something about the way a movie was made watching them walk across Tatooine felt real yeah because it was a real location oh when you're five years old I mean five years old oh I was, five year olds have a yeah. huge um disadvantage of telling reality from 
Right, right. Well, and I still do today. So <laughs> 45. Well, I'm going to read a little bit. I've, I've just got a paragraph highlighted here that I wanted to share. And so this is, again, reading from The Atlantic. Uh, what is his name again? Spencer Hobnobber. Hobnobber. <laughs> I can't remember. Knob Gobbler. Spencer Cornhopper. <laughs> what Lucas means is that uh, is what? is that when conceiving Star Wars, he dreamed first of visuals, concepts, and feelings, not of plot. He felt drawn to make, quote, a movie in outer space like Flash Gordon used to be, ray guns running around in spaceships shooting at each other. He also wanted to mash up tropes from samurai films, westerns, and spy flicks. Above all, he wanted a look and feel that prized credibility rather than clean sleek sci-fi of the 1950 serials and 2001 a space odyssey his own days working in a greasy mechanic shop plus the thought of nasa's apollo capsule returning from the full moon returning from the moon full of candy wrappers and old tang jars informed that vision and this is this is nothing really new we we've heard this before yeah but greg it just it just spoke to me again it kind of awoke these feelings that i have for the for the original trilogy of just how gritty and real those movies are um really before disney started tinkering with them and um i i just brought me back to why i love these films so much yeah i i don't know i i think i do want to read this whole thing um even though reading is against my personal creed um but I pictures like i said <laughs> thank you very much um i i just don't know that i buy it for the same reasons though i i, I do enjoy that they made this movie in real places on real locations with real practical effects for, in most cases, um, you know, there's a lot of camera trickery, matte paintings and, and whatnots and, and, and obviously special effects, but they did, you know, there's things, the, the model work that they did was, was groundbreaking for its time. And it's, you know, very little of it, you know, is, is even very little of these techniques are even used today um, with, you know, with the, the ability to create digital images and digital, uh, scenes and, and everything in, in, in with technology that we have now. So it, like Scott says, it is for all intents and purposes, real versus today where, you know, you can, you know, it's where it looks real. There's still that uncanny Valley that you can tell that something's just not quite right with it. So, yeah. Well, certainly contrast Agreed. to the Agreed. to the prequels. I mean, it certainly looks, yeah, you know, that used universe is there. Um, so skipping down a paragraph, let me just jump. He's talking about the hero's journey. And, you know, he says, you know, the, he says, yet the hero's journey in the original movies was always sketchy. The opening 15 minutes of A New Hope features strikingly few recognizable human characters. And Luke Skywalker is usually the least interesting thing and any scene that follows a lot of the film's suspense drives more from wondering what the movie's about the touristic curiosity of where is this going than from tracking clues of how Luke will fulfill his destiny. What do you think? I, I disagree with this and I, I I'm with Greg. I'm going to have to read this article now. Um, and it goes against my personal religion <laughs> as well. Um, but here's the, here's the thing, you know, we know this, we know, uh, from all the different cuts, all the edits, all the drafts that we've read over and over again, uh, dived into and explored. We know that Luke's first appearance in that film was set way earlier. It was really boring and out of place. 
a lot of uh, backstory with some of his friends at Toshi Station and all that stuff at, or mm -hmm. Anchorhead and, and all that. And, and what I see here is somebody trying to make it something more than it's not. We know what it is. It does follow a hero's journey. We've already explored that multiple times on the show and discussions mm -hmm. outside of the show. Mm -hmm. um, Joseph Campbell's idea and concept of it follows perfectly. In fact, 3PO and R2-D2, which are the first two characters we see on screen, are the ones that we are kind of following. They are the kind of comedic element that we've seen in this many other films, many other types of films that follow that same storyline, the same process. So whether or not it doesn't fall right into the initial idea of a hero's journey. It gets to that point where we do follow a hero and the hero isn't always necessarily the most exciting person to follow. It's a lot of times the group that goes along for that journey. So a lot of people like Han Solo better than Luke, Leia better than Luke and God forbid, Steve, even 3PO sometimes. And you know, we know where that's going to go, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I'm curious to see what else this, this author writes. I don't think he's terrible, but I just think maybe he's stretching it a little bit. Yeah. He's looking for more than maybe than what's really well. There. There's, there's a lot more meat here that I'm giving him credit for in, in the short time we have. He goes on to talk about that. The Mandalorian feels like well-worn concrete. Yeah. Um, you know, that just, it, it feels so gritty and real compared to uh, other star Wars properties that have come recently. Um, and, you know, he says such wanderings have this mythic quality. Um, well, I don't want to burst this guy's bubble or anything like that, but I, somebody does need to explain to him that the Mandalorian was a Disney produced show. So, so the, the other half of the title of the article is and, you know, and how the Mandalorian can restore the power of Lucas's galaxy. So he's 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 giving props to the Mandalorian. And he's saying that, you know, is it did this did Star Wars lose the power of the force? Or did it just lose its way? And can the Mandalorian pull it back? And he's he's saying it's the latter. It's 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 still a powerful story. It just kind of lost its way. Is what basically what the thesis is. And and that's I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with with that. But I, to lay the 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 blame at Disney, I think is kind of misguided. Uh, I I think a lot of the pro, you know, I don't even think Clone Wars is you know, and as much as you guys prop that show up i don't i i think the mandalorian is much better for the star wars genre of films than the clone wars ever was well, that, that, that's fair that that's fair but it's also a, a bold statement yeah. i wouldn't say that clone wars propped it up i actually enjoyed the first clone wars uh miniseries that went on for two seasons but um he's talking about feloni's clone wars no, right feloni's yeah clone yeah, but looking back is certainly where we're at with the Clone Wars and what this guy's talking about here and what Greg just brought up is, you know, it may not rest on the Clone Wars revitalizing it, but it certainly gives a lot of people the introduction to some really important characters, uh, which over time has like stood out. Yeah, like we get Ahsoka, obviously, who, by the way, was not a really fun, exciting character when she was introduced. She was unbelievably no. annoying. And oh, yeah very difficult <laughs> first season to get through and, and not just hoping Anakin accidentally sliced off an arm or something with her calling so. Anakin sky guy. And, uh, you know, that's still tough. hurts. It yeah. still hurts. Yeah. yeah. First season's tough. You know, I have pitched to a prominent orange County English professor of 30 years, almost this. And this is a guy that 
agrees a lot with our show, right? She does. Yeah. Chris Evans. He's also Captain America, I hear. <laughs> the sixth Hyvian. He, he, uh, I've asked him to, to prepare a lecture for us on Joseph Campbell and the monomyth and come on and educate our listeners about Joseph Campbell's teachings. I think it would be a great, I want to do a whole series on the foundations of Star Wars and the influences of Star Wars. We've never gotten deep. We've talked about it, but we've never gone drilled deep down. And I think Chris would be, and, and Joseph Campbell's work would be, should be the start. It's what got Lucas uh, hooked. And I think it would be a great place to start with Chris teaching us about it. It's tough. Have you read any of his works? I own the book and I cracked it open. I'm like, um, yeah, no, this yeah. isn't going to be read by me. It's one of the hardest things. I just things. want someone to teach it to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the hero with a thousand faces. Is that what it is? Uh, something like that? That's, that's another book. Yeah. I think that's the one I read and I didn't oh finish God, read the whole thing. <laughs> no, Good no. Lord. I got through. Did you read war and peace and, and oh. in the same and George Lucas's Kama Sutra in the same weekend? Look, I love, <laughs> I actually love reading, believe it or not. I know yeah. I joke about it, but seriously, mm-hmm. I got halfway, maybe three quarters of the way. And I'm like, my brain felt like it was melting. You did read the courtship of princess Leia though. That was that. It felt like that. <laughs> Oof. Felt Oof. like that. Yeah, uh, exactly. All right, let's move on. I have a little bit of a lighter, a little bit of a lighter story. Let's do this. I grew, I, I had, I didn't grow up. I grew up in Southern California, but my mother's sister was married for many years to a Marine who was stationed in Virginia oh. near uh, Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. And so every summer we would go back for like 10 years. We'd go travel back to Virginia in the middle of summer, by the way. You would travel back there for 10 years? It took a lot. We walked. (laughs) (laughs) It was, went through a lot of shoes. Yeah. So every summer for consecutive, like for eight or 10 years in my early teens, we would go back. And um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping many trips to King's Dominion. There's a great theme park out there. No. Oh, damn. No, we would go to, oh, and we would fight so much about it. Now I'm like, what are you doing? You were such an asshole to my mom. Cause I would, I would, I would complain about these trips, but she would want to go to the civil war battlegrounds. Oh yeah. 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 Colonial Williamsburg. Yep. Um, and, and, but the part of it that I loved was we would go to Washington DC. Yep. And I, so I love, I know DC really well, just because I've been there so many times. Um, and we would go to the Smithsonian every year, which is so amazing. I love the Smithsonian museum and yeah. where this is headed is, the Smithsonian is getting an X-Wing fighter. Oh, damn. It is time to go back. Yeah, it is. It's time to get back <laughs> there. I took the kids there a few years ago, and I'm going to take them again because the force will be with the Smithsonian in 2022, according to space.com. Uh, and I think we've I think we've had a story about this before, but now we're getting close because it's happening next year. Okay. Uh, the esteemed museum in Washington, DC, Washington, D.C. rolls out their latest prize artifact next year in the form of an actual Star Wars X-Wing fighter. So this is so cool. It's going to be in the Air and Space Museum. That's so awesome. there's a, okay, where they have real yeah. spaceships, yeah. like literally like pods that have been on the moon. Oh, I have photos from the 20 times I've been there. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, you've been there a lot too? Oh, do you, I grew, my family's all from that area. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, well, we should go. Yeah. Because there's going to be a freaking X-wing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm in looking that at museum. I'm looking at the photos. It belongs Steve. in a museum. I'm lo- I, so I'm going to have a little bit of an issue here. <laughs> yeah. Shocker. Yeah. 
Yeah. Spoiler alert. I know. I'm going to know what you're going to say. It's never been to space it's or the not, air. <laughs> it's not. It's it's, it's sequel. It's sequel it, property here. Yeah. So, Greg, I'll 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 see if I can. Uh, Damn it. Share this with you. Is that is that? Oh, is it a is it a Poe Dammer next wing? Is that what it is? I think so. It, it is. It's the orange one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. well, I'll send you the link, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an orange and white. It looks like po, maybe Poe's X-Wing. Yeah. Uh, the original one, not the black one. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's a, it's a T70, I think is the model. Uh, Scott, you should use the, oh, here, T70. Yeah. The T70 X-Wing will go on, on public display at the entrance of the Alp to the Albert Einstein planetarium in the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum in the National Mall. So, I mean, so, it's pretty cool. There's moon I, rocks in there. There's a space capsule that was actually on the moon. You can walk through a Russian, like a missile, and a freaking X-Wing. How cool is that? I, I'm, go I'm good with it. Amelia I, Earhart's the, the Spirit of 76. Yeah. Uh, the replica. I have photos of it. Yeah. Pretty the, cool. Uh, the X-Wing. So, so yeah. I, I've been to D.C., um, twice um and unfortunately both trips were very quick so on both trips pretty much all i got to do was to walk the mall if you will um go from lincoln memorial to sure. the washington memorial and up to the um congress yeah. building the capitol building thank capitol. you yeah. um was it on uh, january 6th <laughs> Please, uh, 2021. Uh, well i i may have gotten inside we'll just leave it at that but but what i what i haven't done and and oh. i regret it and it's because i know i need a bunch of time is getting to the smithsonian but the thing you need so much time is the smithsonian is not just the smithsonian you go you go to the air and space museum you go to the history museum you go to the arts and sciences museum so this uh, exhibit being in the air and space museum don't they have like an original Vader costume in the wherever they celebrate television and film at the yeah, Smithsonian? I do. think they have like an actual film used Vader costume, or like maybe even a whole exhibit for Star Wars, don't they? They definitely had one for it's, a while. It's the American History Museum, okay. and there's a film and television wing, I believe. Okay. They've got like, I think they've got the set from either Happy Days or okay honeymooners or something like that something like that they've got fonzie's jacket i remember seeing okay it's been a long yeah. time since i've been in that one but yeah you you if you're going to go in every museum you need three four days at least yeah. at least and if, if you've walked the mall from one uh, uh lincoln memorial all the way to the capitol you've seen all the buildings they're on yes you, you 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 go by them all yeah it's it's and and that's a lot that's like a full day's journey right there because there's you Probably know at least, at least an hour walk yeah, between well, and between the you know between the um, the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument, you know, you've got the Korean War Memorial, you got the Vietnam War, War Memorial. You know, if you go off the beaten path, you go by the White House. I didn't do that. Um, um, there's you know, there's just there's so much to do, and, and unfortunately, I only had like a day each time I was there. So yeah, yeah you need you need a couple days easily. Yeah. A couple yeah. Days. Even if you yeah. just have one day, you could probably do two if you kind of speed through the museums, but they're, yeah. they're, they're so cool. Make, make a pilgrimage out there. And I, mm -hmm. I've got to go out. It's just another excuse to go out there and see yeah. everything else that's out there. So much history. And I've always felt like it's, it, it just feels like hollowed ground just being on the, on the Capitol, mm -hmm. uh, around the Capitol. It's just, it's so cool to be in the DC area. 
It, it definitely does. Um, all the trips that I've, I've done out there from a young age up into late teens. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I've enjoyed it. I actually haven't been there since all the big memorials have been up. So what is the Vietnam one is there? The, mm-hmm. what, what were the other ones? There's Korean the- war Memorial yeah, yeah. There, there. There's another, there's a, there's like an armed services world yeah. war two Memorial that's out there or something like that. MLK is pretty new. The MLK. I haven't yeah. seen any of that stuff. So, so one of the coolest things that, that, uh, we did was we took the kids um, it was probably seven or eight years. They were, they were pretty small um, early t- teenagers. Um, and uh, we, our flight got jammed up in the uh, at night, like canceled because due to weather or something. Yeah. And so they, they, they said, ah, sorry, you're just going to have to stay the night and we'll fly out in the morning. So they paid for us to stay in a hotel. Oh, nice. So we had to travel back to the DC area to the hotel from the airport. It's not that far. Uh, she, they put us up in this cheap little hotel. Oh, flying out of Dulles. Yeah, right? it was out of Dulles. Yeah. 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 And so um, so we're like, well, we've got one more night. What, what didn't we see? It's like 7 or 8 p.m. Let's go see the Lincoln Memorial at night. Oh, it's so beautiful seeing it at night yeah and walking up it's it's so bitching it's glorious so cool. it's like it's amazing and then the vietnam memorial is right is is within walking distance from lincoln oh that's cool and it's that long granite wall with all the names yes uh, um enshrined in the wall yeah just uh uh it's all very moving it really is very moving yeah incredibly moving and of course you know there's always someone there you know sort of like um having a vigil with the name on the wall and it's just it's just uh incredible i'll tell you i was so uh and i don't want to get off track too much but yes i am gonna agree with you guys because i've been there many times Mm -hmm. um and when i was first there probably 79 80 i think was the first time uh i was so into like maps like my Mm -hmm. dad and i drove cross country multiple times so i was really into he let me read the maps and I got to be the, the navigator uh, on our driving trips. And uh, when I got there, I memorized from walking around all D.C. to the Jefferson Memorial, the Lincoln Memorial, the monument, got to go up there. I took pictures with my old Kodak 110 out the windows. And I've got a 360 cool. degree my shots of Washington, D.C. back in like 7980. Um I drew a map. I had like tracing paper as like a little art paper project. And I drew from memory a map and holding it up today. It's pretty damn good yeah. for a kid in, you know, 1979, it was shocking, but uh, you know, it's kind of goofy and it's got some colors and I think I have Darth Vader drawn in there somewhere, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's well, he, he moved out of the white house on January 20th. So, <laughs> Oh, where's my, real <laughs> Oh God damn it. Oh shit. Uh, wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> get, get it ready. Oh, oh, nice. all right. Well, um, all right. Pilgrim. I mean, let's do it. Pilgrimage to DC. Let's do it. Let's I'll go. I'll see you next week. I will. All right. <laughs> all right. guys. Tulula wants to get to <laughs> welcome to Lula. We have another episode of Loki nice. to review. Yes. Loki season one, episode three. Uh, title is Lamentus. Lamentus. Lamentus one. Lamentus one, right? The title, I think, is just Lamentus. That's right. Oh, okay. Uh, originally dropped Wednesday, June 23rd, which was yesterday. Yes, yeah, we're recording the show. 
Um, all right. So let's get, let's break this down, guys. We're going to crank through this. I didn't get to write notes, but there were so many Easter eggs in this episode. Yeah, there's a lot. And we've got like 25 minutes to get through it. So we're going to crank, crank it. Let's crank it. I'm going to, I'm going to bust out. I, I've got high level plot and I'm going to let you guys go. So, yeah. all right. We open up with, with who we think is Lady Loki. And who I know now, or who we know now, is may not be Lady Loki. I, I'm going to still go with it, but um, right. it's funny they're using a different name, and that name is also in. And they even use the word a couple times in this episode uh, when he, she's trying to enchant. Uh, yeah, he said. Loki says, "Are you trying to enchant me?" Yeah. Now, um, uh, I'm just going to drop it out there. She mentions her name is Sylvie, and the name Scott Sylvie does not mean anything to me. Are we missing anything? That is the name of the character of the Enchantress. It is? Yes. Oh. And by the way, that character, it is? Yes, that character does become uh, one of the young Avengers, the new Avengers, the Enchantress. Really? So I found that very interesting. I have to go back and do a little bit of you know, research on that, but I'm almost certain that that character does become part of a team that we're seeing slowly being put together here from the TV shows um, and I think some of the movies, right? We've talked about it on the show a few times. Do you think she's part of the team, like the young Avengers team? I'm not sure. Okay. I, I'm going to, I'm going to step in a little bit here. So as is, as is kind of par for the course when the Marvel comics universe, the enchantress that we know that was introduced back in 1964. Yes, yes. Is is different than this Sylvie character that you're talking about now that you're bringing up, who is, yes, one of the young Avengers. Um, actually, she was in the Young Masters is what it says, the Young Masters, which maybe battled the Young Avengers, I'm thinking, something like that. I think does um, really join the team. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Kind of like Rogue, who was a villain, ends up joining the X-Men. Yeah. Something yeah. Similar. It's the Marvel Universe. So everybody's on everybody else's team, and everybody has three different names and 13 <laughs> different guys. <laughs> I well, how am I supposed well, to learn this shit? It's just too Well, <laughs> Well, it, you know, if she does end up joining the Young Avengers, so now we've got um, um, Wiccan and Speed, as we saw in WandaVision, and we have uh, the, the kid who was... Uh, uh, Isaiah Washington's nephew or whoever he was in New Falcon Patriot. and Winter Soldier. New yeah. Patriot. Thank you very much. New Patriot. So we are slowly but surely building a Young Avengers team, although we don't know it yet. Maybe. Hold on, hold on. In uh, Endgame, we also get to see Hawkeye's daughter, who becomes part of the team. Um, uh, well, they're making a Hawkeye show, and, yeah. and Haley Stanfield is the girl who's going to be playing Kate Bishop and and the his daughter in Endgame is Lila, so two oh. different characters. Oh, sorry, sorry, mixing. Yeah. Up. All right. Okay. Well, in the beginning yeah. of the show, the first opening scene we see, who later we find we find out her name is Sylvie, is probing the hunter's mind in the security office of the megastore. C twenty, right? Is is her C twenty? Yes, very good. Um, for details about the TVA. Right. By the way, they're in a uh, tiki bar. I was enjoying the hell out oh. of that. <laughs> and for all you hardcore Disney fans, they are using Trader Sam's uh, hippopotamitai oh glasses. God. How do you know? How did you catch that? <laughs> Those are the glasses. Those are the Disney ear glasses. It's all right. Amazing. So they, the, so 
they they uh, slip through the time portal. Uh, they fast forward to the time portal and they jump. They jump to the TVA. Yes. They end up in the TVA. Sorry if I'm missing details here, but right. they end up in the TVA and there's a lot of fighting and action in this particular episode. Fighting ensues of the TP in the TVA with Sylvie and um, and Loki. So is it okay if I call our Loki Tom Hiddleston Loki and the other one is a Loki, but it's Sylvie, right? I would call it. I would, I'm still going to call her Lady Loki for really? right now. Yeah, because she's got the Loki. Uh, the horn. She says, "Mine." She doesn't want to be called Lady Loki. I know. I know. She says that on the show. I know. She gets pissed. Don't call me Lady Loki. I know, but I'm going to point out some things in this where All I right. think they're. I, I think well, they're blending characters. We got to point them out quickly here. Yes, I know. <laughs> All right. So she. They, they might be blending characters, but they've always just called her. They've never called her Lady Loki in the show. That's kind of just us assuming these things. Um, kind of like how everybody thought there was a Mephisto that was coming, you know, Lady Loki might be the, the Mephisto of this show. By the way, we're going to talk about Mephisto also (laughs) for this episode. (laughs) Um, all right. So she's surprised when she, when she starts fighting that her powers doesn't, don't work. So she's kind of like, she tries and she, her powers fizzle and don't work. So yeah, it's clear that maybe she has not been to the TVA before now. Yeah. She doesn't realize that her powers aren't going to work. All right. So then Loki through a, a series of events, Loki sends them both to lamentous one. Yeah. Right. Which is in the year 2077. That is correct. And so now, now we know why this episode of Loki is called lamentous because they're on lamentous one. Yes. Okay. And this is a planet that does exist in the actual comic books. Okay. And is it doomed for just, you know, destined for destruction? I believe so. And I think it has something to do with, it's either the Kree or um, one of the other um, races that we saw from Guardians. Um, The the Nova, Nova Corps. Is that right? We saw the Nova Corps in in Guardians 2. We saw the Nova Corps, yes. Yeah. And in Guardians 1. I think in Guardians 1, we saw them. Right. It has something to do with them. And, and the planet does, I think, eventually get destroyed. So at this point, Lady Loki yeah. is referring to our Loki, or Tom Hiddleston's character, as a variant. She's kind of offended. She don't call me a Loki variant. Right. You know, she's kind of dismissive of him. And pretty soon we figure out that, or we find out through exposition in the story, that Lamentous One is a moon that a nearby planet is about to collide with and so loki and lady loki need to work together and so they're kind of forced to build trust with each other in order to survive this catastrophe and get off the planet it's a it's a bad cop bad cop situation yes (laughs) exactly um as as you mentioned earlier lady loki tries to mind probe loki mind probe is that I'm, I'm going to say what he says, enchant. enchant she's she's okay. using a different type of magic. Enchant. In the same way that she did Hunter, uh, Hunter C20, but it doesn't work. Um, meanwhile, she's annoyed with his ability to, to teleport and use his magic. He can use his magic because they're no longer in the TBA. Right. And she's annoyed by this. She obviously can't do it herself. So, you know, as this unfolds, we're learning that you know, they have different powers, like not every, right. This may be obvious to you, you know, 
That's uh, yeah, you're Marvel right. Marvel people. <laughs> but you know, oh, so she can't transport the same way that the Loki can. Right. They all have different power. They do. So do the all well, well, I remember he was, you know, Loki was taught his his ability yes. to relocate himself by Freya, his Asgardian mother. Not it's I, not later though. At this point, we don't she he tells her on the train, right? Like she's like, How did you learn that? And he's like, Oh, my mother, my mother taught me the magic. Right. It is the conversation episode. Some would say filler, but there's a lot of information mm -hmm. that gets dumped here. Even if some of it seems vague, it might mm -hmm. be important later on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely building to something. But we definitely see something that I don't think we've seen a lot of, if at all, is one of Loki's real powers, and that's telekinesis. Right. So we'll see that later. So she, she doesn't fully reveal the plan, her quote-unquote plan, but she does say that uh, unless i missed it which is possible uh but she does say that it was years in the making the plan was years in the making yeah and and i'm once they find enough power on the moon to to recharge the the portal device thing okay what well, it, it, it is called the mcguffin it's <laughs> the mcguffin it's the cell phone the MacGuffin for the uh, somebody didn't bring their uh, apple charger i have it here somewhere it's, it's uh, a temp pad right the temp pad yeah. yeah that sounds right good okay job. good poll so there's a lot to talk about and i know we're going to go through it super fast That's but okay. we need go. to get to the important things to hit before we end um yeah which we're not there yet but um a couple little quick little easter egg polls if you watched at the very end of, and saw some of the credits you'll notice um somebody is a huge fan of the movie aliens because two of the guards when they get to the train uh fight are named hudson and hicks Oh, really? So I really thought that was a nice pull on that. That's cool. Yeah. That's great. They have the like a little name tag, says it? I think or it's, it's on in their, the credit. It's it's in the credits, but uh, I, if you go back, I think they actually have name tags or something that say it, it's written kind of funny, but you can definitely nice. piece it together. That's awesome. So, so uh, we also discover through exposition that the, the destruction of the moon that they're on is 12 hours away. Meteorites are hitting the surface. The special effects were pretty cool. Yeah. They looked pretty good. Um, the society that once lived there is trying to escape. Uh, at one point, they're looking for power, and Loki disguises himself through his magic uh, as a local's um, husband and gets blasted by her comically, very comically by her, like whatever, like bazooka, futuristic bazooka thing she's holding. Right, that was pretty funny. So, real quick, that character, um, gosh, she was in something else recently. Yeah, she looked familiar to me too. And I'm, I'm gonna totally lose this, but she makes the point to call both of them devils. The devils, yeah. Yeah, which I found funny because Lady Loki is referred to as a devil by the girl mm -hmm. in France in the first episode, pointing up at the the stained glass window in the church. Oh yeah. Uh, so again, I'm joking well, around. Was but that was that. I assume that was just standard Loki that he was, but oh no, it would, it would have been Lady Loki because Lady Loki is the one that's going around killing the hunters. Right. Correct. Nah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Which I'm glad you brought up because this is going to cause a conflict with me in the show. Okay. Her going around killing these people. Okay. So we'll get to that. In, in well, she killed hunters without any hesitation when they were in the TV. Right. So when we get to a big reveal here at the end of your uh, description of the show, okay. we're going to have a discussion All about right. that real quick. All right, so the the lady that's at the hut that blows him with the bazooka. Yeah. Hmm. 
I'll walk that one back. Yep. The lady that defends her hut with the bazooka yeah. um, explains that everyone else has taken shelter in an ark. Right. They're and heading, the heading. ark is this evacuation. Like a vehicle. Vessel. Ship. Yeah. Ship. Supposed, right. supposed to take them off planet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and they think, well, okay, so that thing should have enough power to charge the temp pad. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. So now. Now they've got the MacGuffin. Another MacGuffin is to go and find this ship so they can charge their the temp pad. Um, so now they've got you know time on their hands and they're walking. So this is where you know more. This is a conversation episode. And I and I will. I want to push back a little bit on your dismissive tone, okay, Mr. Ivansky, with that because I think this is where Hiddleston is at his best. I think this is a great episode. The conversation pieces, like we've said before, sort of jokingly, you could, you know, he could read the phone book and it'd be interesting. I love the, 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 when the show slows down and we get conversation about Loki's background or his motivations or, you know, and he's, he's being real in the moment. I, I love those parts of the show. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And I, I agree with you with okay. Hiddleston and his yeah. acting and certainly in these moments that, to let him shine. My issue is, is we're three episodes in, mm -hmm. this is now becoming a formula for Disney and we're getting a lot about Hiddleston. We're getting a lot about Loki and his okay. character and his yeah. background, which is great, but we're not getting a lot about lady Loki or Sylvie or whatever you want to call her, um, which I really would have loved to have a little bit more. Mm -hmm. If he's going off on this little adventure with her now, for at least an episode or two, I'd like to find out a little bit more motivation. We do get some big reveals, but not about her character. Yeah. Even the stuff she reveals to us is still blanketed like in this vague thing. And, it, and, it, and it's kind of like Loki where he's deceptive and he's mischievous and you never know what's you know real or fake with him. Mm -hmm. But it, you know Loki's character enough now that we are getting some backstory and we're seeing a change of the variant character that was created for this show because he was pulled out of the Marvel universe and put into this. So we're seeing it happen in a different format. Right. While these bombs are going off all throughout the galaxy from the previous episode, ultimately creating the multiverse of madness. Right. Um, and now we're learning some new stuff from Lady Loki's character a years in the making plan she's never been to the tva she doesn't realize her powers don't work when she gets there what is really going on right there mm -hmm. it'd be nice to get a little bit more just a nugget or two that's it and we just didn't get that until more she does reveal one big thing so i'm going right. to go into that real quick and Do that it. is where she says yeah that nobody everybody in the tva yeah is a variant oh yeah we've got that yeah i think that's in this this walk that they do right when they're when they're getting to the yes the, the uh, arc either that or the train ride conversation which is also oh, fantastic too, yeah but let me just explain something why i had a problem with it so then you can really get on my case okay if she shows empathy in this conversation for the like she actually says that she sympathizes or empathizes that they don't understand that they weren't created in the TVA mm -hmm. that they were pulled from somewhere else, mm -hmm. most likely earth or places that they look like humans, human forms. Well, why is she going around murdering all these people? If she's trying to do something, <laughs> save them. Like she is really brutal in some of those mm -hmm. sequences. So that was kind of mm -hmm. my small issue. 
Okay. All right. Because they're, they're the same people she's talking about in this moment. Yeah. So something else has to be going on or that's just sloppy for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually when they're, it's not the first long walk. It's the second exposition conversation they have. Right. Where, yeah. There's yeah, a yeah, walk, right. there's no. a train ride, there's another walk. And right. then there's so, a battle. <laughs> so, 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 so they're, they're working together to get on this train to get to the arc. That's what it was. That's right? what it, yeah. So, so Loki impersonates a guard. He changes himself into the guard. Yeah. Yeah. She enchants one. Right. And, and they get on the train. Um, and they're they're chatting amongst you know the the wealthy elites of society that got that were able to pay their way on the train. I love the background. I don't know if you guys picked up on it, like the you know the the uh, underserved poor people in the background going, why do they get to go on the train? You know what about oh, yeah. us? You know, um, it just reminded me of of uh, Los Angeles in 2021. To be honest with you. Um, <laughs> But this is actually like a nod to a, a, a pretty famous movie. Um, and I'm going to forget the name of it. Damn it. Snowpiercer. That's it. Thank you. Snowpiercer. You're welcome. Wow. Well Thank you, Greg. Damn, there's a lot of movies you could have pulled from from a pretty famous movie. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys plan for this episode? <laughs> Not at all. Well that done. was the best. Nice um, lob and spike right there. So now great. Loki and Sylvie are now comparing backgrounds, right? This is yeah. where they talk about their backgrounds. He's surprised to learn that she knew she was adopted and he tells her about his mother. Uh, again, I just think Hiddleston is at his best when it slows down and he can, he can emote. Um, I just think it's great. They discuss love and relationships, postmen and princesses. Um, Loki says, okay, let, you know, you take a nap. I'm going to relax how I want to relax. It was fantastic. Which is <laughs> I love this. Sequence. And so she wakes up. And Loki is like clearly intoxicated. Yeah. Out of his disguise, leading the like the crew and passengers in like this Asgardian song. Which is amazing, <laughs> by the way. And then he throws the glass, which I read one article that was like a uh like a nod to um another like the glass throwing scene from um, Thor in the first movie. The very first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does it exactly how an Asgardian Great. would. Yep. It's amazing. Uh, super great. And so there's this fight drunk. Loki is thrown off the train. The temp pad is, is crushed is destroyed. Um, and so their only recourse for getting off the planet is now to try and hijack the arc. So MacGuffin number one, which yes. needed MacGuffin number two to charge it, to help them get off is now right. broken. So now MacGuffin number two becomes the ultimate MacGuffin, right? But it's the apocalyptic setting that can never change right so exactly. we know that that ship is not going to make it that's right yeah and so this is the second long walk where they talk about how enchantment works yeah right sylvia is trying to explain how she grabs the person's mind through physical contact and invents a scenario from their memories it, she had to invent a scenario from the hunter's memory because she was formerly human which is a surprise to loki who finds out wait I thought they were all created by the TVA. So the revelation that hence they're not all created by the TVA. Yeah. Cause Owen oh, Wilson's remark in an earlier episode that, that he's just always been there. 
And there was there was there was the beginning of time and there is the end of time, you know, as dictated by the timekeepers. And he doesn't remember any of his past life. So what is the implication there? So what are the timekeepers? Then? Okay, hold on. My takeaway from this is if I am not able to see Owen Wilson hauling ass on a jet ski by the end of this show, <laughs> I am going to be really upset. All right. Um, yeah. Well, I think the revelation is going to be that the timekeepers are evil and the Owen Wilson Mobius is actually Owen Wilson as he was in the 90s and he's just reliving oh. his glory days. Damn. Oh, that's, awesome. oh, that's <laughs> even better. Okay. Right, so let me just throw one thing. This is Dave did message, message me one comment that he wanted to throw in here. And yeah. this is a good place to drop it here. Sorry, Scott. So one note for Loki. He says the female judge's character is named Ravona. Yes. That is also the name of a woman loved by Kang. Yes. Yeah, Scott talked about this last week. Oh, you did. did. Yes, we I did. did. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give you some props, Scott, because you brought it up last week. In <laughs> forthcoming movie, and he's a time-traveling villain. All right. So. And there was an incredible sneaky little thing, if you didn't see it, when Lady Loki goes into the TVA to the golden elevators, which she's trying to find, please note that the doors are the same doors to Ravona's office. They're the odd-shaped triangular, um, uh, what are those, uh, little sand uh, time pieces? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer? Snow yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the little time, the little sand. Yeah, like a sand uh, uh, time. <laughs> <laughs> a timer, a timer. Yes. Those little shapes. An hourglass. It's the same doors. Hourglass, thank you. with us. <laughs> But it's it's her doors. It's the entrance Three to her office tonight on the Wretched High Pod. And the only reason I know that is if mm. you see it from the previous episode where Owen Wilson is having that conversation with her, he's standing right next to those doors. And those are the doors that she's about to go through when Ravona shows up and they get into the fight and Loki pulls him out and brings him to Lamentus One. Gotcha. All right. So I think there's a huge connection with her. All right. Loki and Sylvie fight their way to the Ark through citizens and guards. Now, um, one huge long shot. Now, of course, it's a little bit different with digital effects and green screening everything. Yeah. And, you know, uh, but uh, so it's obviously not one camera movement, but they, it's still pretty cool. They did a damn good job. Yeah. And the scenes where, because it does look like one of those amazing long shot, yeah. seamless shots. It does. Uh, and so the smoke and the, the debris and the things that are falling that kind of block it, it's, I'm going to call it a Hitchcock move because Hitchcock notoriously did this in the old day with a film called uh, Rope, uh, where he wanted the whole thing to feel like a one act play mm -hmm. and would purposely push the camera up onto somebody's back who had like a black jacket on. And that would be the cut scene because the reels were too short at the time. Yeah. So same effect, but it was digitally done and it was brilliant. It's one of my favorite moments in this episode. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, they do not make it in time. The arc is destroyed and explodes before they can reach it. Yeah. Everyone stares up at it. End of episode roll credits. Yeah. No MacGuffin. What are they going to do next, Greg? Seriously. I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm at a loss now. What's, what's the, you know, we've destroyed both MacGuffins. We always discovered that you need a MacGuffin and a doohickey. Now we've got plenty of doohickeys, no MacGuffins. <laughs> Can I make my prediction? Owen Wilson is going to fly through a time portal on a jet ski and pick him up. And oh. Now, is it going to be one of the ones that you sit on, like a, you know, a 
Galaxy. Yeah, Wave Runner. It's the 90s because he's talking about the 90s. He drinks a 90s soda. So it's going to be a Wave Runner three-seater. I'm going to tab. Three-seater. It was called Jacosta or something like that or Lacosta. So tab was in the 70s, right? Or is it? What was it? 70s and 80s. Tab Tab was on the outs on in the 80s because yeah. Bobcat Goldquist, the comedian Bobcat Goldquist, used to drink tabs on stage, and, and <laughs> they were on the way out right yeah. at that point. About, my mom used to buy RC Cola. RC Royal Crown. Yeah, Royal, Royal Crown. Crown. Yeah. When, when was that? So that would have been in the 80s then. 70s and 80s for sure. Yeah. Late yeah. 70s, late 80s. They're still around. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. RC Cola. RC is still. Around, I'm pretty sure. Probably more. Tallulah, what do you think about RC Cola? <laughs> I think you've had more Crown Royale than Royal Crown. That might be true. <laughs> but guys, oh, a little, R- a little RCCR? Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 202 is in the books, guys. This was a quick and dirty one, but I'm glad we got it done. I like it quick and dirty. I like it, I know. Yeah. Yeah, without RCCR, you know. Which is a good drink. Can you hive me and uh, call it the hive and splash? Woo! <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in. I'm all in. Uh, this was fun, guys. Have a wonderful week. I hope everyone has a great week. I'm off this week. I got 11 days of joy. Looking at me. Damn. Staring down the nozzle. 11 days of joy. <laughs> You're going to interrupt your beach camping week to go and find a Disney Plus account somewhere, watch the uh, watch the Loki and come back for a show. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to. Yeah. We'll do it on Saturday. Well, oh, oh, yeah. We should talk about that. Are we going Saturday? Well, let's let's wrap up the show for Steve. Come on. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great week. We'll be back eventually. And until then, may the force be with us all. Do-do-do-do.